Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, two weeks ago, we considered the Bible's teaching on baptism. Do you remember what we learned? We learned from God's word that baptism is the Lord's sign and seal of the washing away of our sins. The Lord Jesus commanded him, commanded his church to baptize. He, he commanded that practice of baptism, that outward washing with water. We, we saw that from the end of Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. He appointed, he himself appointed baptism for his church. And we also saw from other passages that he has attached a promise to baptism, the promise of the washing away of our sins by the blood and spirit of Christ, the promise of salvation. It doesn't mean that we are saved by being baptized with water. The Lord makes clear in his word that only the blood and the spirit of Christ cleanses us from sin. And we receive that cleansing. We receive that forgiveness. We receive that washing, that salvation only through spirit worked repentance and faith in our hearts. So baptism, the outward washing with water itself doesn't save us. But the Lord's purpose in baptism is to picture for us and to confirm to us the inward washing away of our sins by Christ's blood and spirit through faith in Christ. The washing that he has promised in his word. That's what baptism is primarily about. Baptism is the Lord's sign and seal of the washing away of our sins. That was the main thing we learned last time. But today, congregation, we come to a more controversial issue among Christians. The issue of the baptism of infants, the baptism of our children. In Matthew 28, verse 19, the Lord Jesus, as we just mentioned that verse, but shortly before his New Testament church was born, as it were, at Pentecost, he says very clearly that when people become part of his church, when people confess faith in him, when they become by grace disciples of Christ, they are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's very clear. That's why we not only practice, we practice not only infant baptism, we practice also adult baptism. The baptism of adults who've never been baptized, but have come to confess faith in Christ. But what about their children? Are the children of confessing Christians, are their infants, their babies also to be baptized? Some Christians, also very thoughtful and very godly Christians, whom we can and we should appreciate and love and respect as our brothers and sisters in Christ, say no. We as a church say yes. Our children are to be baptized. But is there any biblical basis for saying that? For saying our children ought to be baptized? Or, or is it just a leftover relic of, of the Roman, Roman Catholicism? Did the reformers like John Calvin and Martin Luther and others who we might especially think about and thank God for this week with Reformation Day on, on Tuesday, did they not go far enough? Or does the Bible actually teach and command the baptism of our children? If it does, how, how is it valuable to us? One of you rightly pointed out to me after the sermon two weeks ago that when you're baptized as a baby, you can't remember your own baptism. 
Isn't it more special, more, more helpful when we can remember it? Would, wouldn't that help our relationship with God? If infant baptism is biblical, what is its value, its significance for us? Well, these are some of the questions we hope to consider and answer this morning as we look again at the Bible's teaching on baptism, this time focusing on the baptism of our children, also in light of question and answer 74 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And the challenge here, congregation, is, to, is that to understand the Bible's teaching on this issue, we need to look at more than just one Bible passage. We need to look at passages like the one we read, ones we read, Genesis 17, Acts 2, and, and others too. Now that's not unique to baptism, nor is it an argument against infant baptism. We have to do the same thing with the doctrine of the Trinity or with the, the doctrine of Christ's divine and human natures in one person. There's no one Bible passage or verse that teaches everything about each of those truths. And it's the same with baptism, and especially the issue of the baptism of our children. There is no Bible verse that says, thou shalt baptize your children. But there's also no Bible verse that says, thou shalt not baptize your children, or thou shalt baptize only adult believers. The reality is that it is Complex, it's complicated. That's why we need to be diligent students of God's Word and to study God's Word humbly, asking and depending upon the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. So, our theme is simply the baptism of our children, and with God's help, we'll consider its biblical support, its solemn significance, and its gospel summons. So first of all, we want to consider the biblical support for the baptism of our children. And I'm going to just say right up front here, we're going to spend a bit more time on this point than, than the other points. And, and, and it's going to be a, a bit more teaching. It's not going to be overly practical. We're going to get to the practical in the second and third points. And hopefully, hopefully you can follow along. But, but it's important to, to see the biblical support because it's foundational. It's foundational for the practical application. We can talk about the solemn significance and the gospel summons of infant baptism all we want, but if Scripture doesn't teach it, it's a waste of time. So does the Bible support and teach the baptism of our children? Yes, also our infant children. Well, the short answer is yes, it does. And to see that with me, we need to see and understand three things, three things that God's Word teaches us. The first thing, it's really about baptism's connection to God's covenant and church. Maybe you noticed when we read the catechism how the answer to the question regarding are we, are we to baptize infants, it emphasizes those two things, God's covenant and church. And maybe that seems a little bit confusing. What in the world does baptism have to do with that? Didn't we learn last time that the Bible teaches us that baptism is a sign and seal of salvation, of the washing away of our sins? So, so why does the catechism all of a sudden in its defense of infant baptism speak about God's covenant and church? Why? Well, because the Bible indeed teaches there is a connection between baptism and God's covenant and church. For one thing, it's, it's the New Testament way. Baptism is the New Testament way of public and visible admission into his church. That's very clear in Scripture. You can think about Matthew 28. Jesus commands those who are made his disciples be baptized. I mean, you go to Acts 2, 
Verse 42 says that those who gladly received Peter's words, those who repented and believed the gospel he preached, were baptized and the same day were added unto them or added unto the church 3,000 souls. So baptism is the way that people publicly and visibly become part of and are admitted into and added to the Christian church. That's quite clear in Scripture. It's a little bit, little bit like children. When you go to a, a water park, maybe, or a zoo, or something like that, sometimes they, they give you a stamp on your hand or a colored bracelet or something around your, your, your wrist to, to show and to confirm that you may go in now. You, you are part of the people that have been properly admitted into that zoo or into that park. A baptism, the washing with water, the outward washing with water is like that stamp or like that bracelet. It shows and confirms that you are part of the people who form and properly belong to the church of God. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's why in the middle of the Catechism's answer to question 74, it speaks of baptism as the means of being admitted into the Christian church. Baptism is a New Testament way of public and visible admission into God's church. Now, thus far, I think our Baptist brothers and sisters would agree. But baptism is also a New Testament sign of God's covenant. What is a covenant? Well, to put it very simply, maybe a little too simply, but just for the sake of this, this sermon, it's, it's a binding relationship. A covenant is a binding relationship between two parties that involves binding commitments. It's like marriage. Marriage is a binding relationship between a husband and a wife that involves binding commitments to each other. And the Bible talks about God making covenants with people at different times. But, and we'll look at, we'll see that in a, in a minute, but when Christ died, congregation, he established, he instituted what scripture calls the new covenant. When he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, this cup is a new testament or new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. That means that we as part of the New Testament church are part of the new covenant. And baptism is a sign of that covenant. Now the Bible doesn't say that in so many words, but it does say it by implication. How so? Well, for one thing, baptism is a sign and seal, as we mentioned already, of the washing away of our sins, of salvation. And the washing away of our sins, of our salvation is, is at the heart of all God's covenants, also the new covenant. That's what it's all about. It's about cleansing and forgiveness and sanctification. It's about salvation. It's about God being our God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. When Jeremiah 31 speaks about the new covenant, that's what it talks about. The Lord says in Jeremiah 31 verse 33, Speaking of the new covenant, he said, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That is what the covenant of grace is about. And that's what baptism is about too. It's not about what we do. It's not about our repentance and faith. There's a connection to it, to that, but, the, but that's not what it's about. It's about what God does through the repentance and faith that He graciously works 
He saves. He washes us from our sins by the blood and spirit of Christ. So by implication, by implication, baptism is a New Testament sign, and you could say also a really a seal of God's covenant. Circumcision, we read, circumcision was a token, was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And baptism, baptism is a token, the sign of the covenant of grace also then now today. So there's a biblical connection between baptism and God's covenant and church. It's a New Testament way we are publicly and visibly admitted into his church and it's a sign of God's covenant. That's the first thing we need to understand. Okay? The second thing God's word teaches us is about the relationship of God's new covenant and New Testament church to God's covenants and church in the Old Testament. And here is where especially we begin to differ from our Baptist friends. We both agree that since Christ's death, God's people, the church, is part of the new covenant. But the Baptists tend to see the New Testament church and the new covenant as essentially different from the Old Testament church and covenants, including God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 17, which we read about. In the Old Testament, God's covenants included unbelievers. That's very clear. God's covenant with Abraham included his seed, but not all Abraham's seed, not all Israel believed or trusted in God. But God's new covenant revealed in Jeremiah 31, according to the Baptists, is different. It speaks of spiritual promises and therefore includes only believers. But when you look at the old covenants, they also speak of spiritual promises, not just physical promises. Think of God's covenant with Abraham that we read about. God doesn't just promise land and children. He promises to be a God to Abraham and to his seed. That's a spiritual promise, a promise, a, a, a promise of his concerning his salvation. And it's a promise that's really at the heart of God's covenant with him. And that promise is given not just to Abram as a believer, but also to his seed, to his descendants, even though not all of them believe. Yes, there is a difference between the old covenants and the new covenants. But the difference is, congregation, that the veil has been taken away in Christ, in the new covenant. The difference is that the physically earthly shadows in the old covenants have been fulfilled in Christ. The difference is that Christ has come and shed his blood as a complete, once-for-all sacrifice for sin. That's why Christ appointed water baptism as a sign, New Testament sign of the new covenant that replaces bloody circumcision as a sign of his covenant in the Old Testament. The difference is, congregation, between the, the covenants is that he has poured out his spirit now in the new covenant in fullness. That's what makes the new covenant different and so much better than the old covenant. But in essence, you see, this is the point. In essence, in substance, the old and new covenant, they're, they're one. They're the covenant of grace, the overarching covenant of grace. And that means also by implication that the Old Testament church and the New Testament church are also one church. Because the church, I'm speaking here, the, the visible church especially, is made up of all the people included in God's covenant of grace. So there's an essential unity between the covenants in the Old Testament and the covenant in the New Testament. And since children were included in the covenants of church of the Old Testament, that means that we cannot assume that they are suddenly excluded 
in the covenant and church of the New Testament. In fact, Acts 2, as well as other passages, teach us they are included. And that's the third thing we need to understand. The Bible teaches us that our children are included in God's covenant and church. In Acts 2, when, when Peter urged his, his Jewish hearers to, to repent and to be baptized for the remission of sins, he encouraged them in verse 39 with these words, for the promise, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now what is the promise that he's talking about? He's talking about the promise of the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing, the washing away of sins. He's talking about the promise of salvation. And that's the promise of God's one covenant of grace at the center of it. And Peter says that promise is not given, is given not just to his hearers, but also to their children, just like it was in the Old Testament. In other words, the children are still included in God's covenant and church also in the New Testament. That's what the Bible teaches. Not just here in Acts 2, but, but in other places too. You think of Matthew 19, when Jesus takes up the, the little children in his arms and he lays his hands on them and he blesses them. What was that? That was a covenant blessing indicating that the children are still included in God's covenant and church. Or you can think of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14, Paul's speaking there of marriages uh, where only one spouse is a believer and he, he's telling them, don't leave, don't leave your unbelieving spouse if he's willing or she's willing to still live with you. Why? Because he says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. That means they are set apart to God. That word holy is a word that the New Testament often uses to describe church members. And, and then you go to the letters, to other letters, and you, you read that Paul specifically addresses children as part of the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, he says in Ephesians 6. What do all these passages tell us, congregation? They tell us that our children, just as in the Old Testament, are included in God's covenant and church. Now when you put, put all this together, you put these three things that the Bible teaches us all together, hopefully you can see the biblical support for infant baptism. The Bible teaches us that baptism is both the New Testament way of public and visible admission into God's church and the New Testament sign of God's covenant. It also teaches us that the new covenant is in substance the same as the covenants in the Old Testament and, it, and that the New Testament church is one with the Old Testament church. And it teaches us that our children are included in God's new covenant and New Testament church. Therefore, children are, our children are to be baptized. And that's why the catechism answers the question, are infants also to be baptized the way it does? Yes, for since they as well as the adult are included in the covenant and church of God and since redemption from sin by the blood of Christ and the Holy Ghost, the author of faith is promised to them no less than to the adult. They must therefore by baptism as a sign of the covenant be also admitted into the Christian church and be distinguished from the children of unbelievers 
as was done in the Old Covenant or Testament by circumcision, instead of which baptism is instituted in the New Testament. So infant baptism is biblical. You see that with me. But what does it mean for us and our children? Well, that brings us to our second thought. It's solemn significance. What is the solemn significance of the baptism of our children? Well, well, for one thing, for one thing, it reminds us of what God's word says about who we really are by nature. We're conceived and born in sin. We're sinners who need washing right from the very beginning. We're transgressors from the womb. We're unclean by nature. We're dead in trespasses and sin. And that reality is emphasized when our little babies are baptized. They may be very cute. They may seem so lovable. But their baptism as a sign and seal of the washing away of our sins tells us who they and we all really are by nature. Spiritually lost and dead sinners through and through. Children of Satan. Enemies of God. Haters of God. Rebellious and disobedient toward God. That's who we are. Under the wrath and condemnation of God in and of ourselves. Oh, what a solemn lesson the baptism of our children teaches us. Congregation, when we see, Lord willing, in a few weeks, we'll see some babies being baptized. Do we realize that's what it's saying? That's what it's saying, not just about the babies, not just about those children, but about us, about you, and about me. It's saying, it's showing, it's reminding us that there is no good in ourselves, of ourselves. There is no life, no spiritual life, by nature, we are full of sin and full of uncleanness. We're like that leper. A leper who came to the Lord Jesus, you know, and Luke describes him as being full of leprosy. We are, as Psalm 58 says, of the wicked, estranged, separated, alienated from God, from the womb. The baptism of our, ch of our children signifies, it emphasizes, it teaches and reminds us that we are all unclean sinners against God by nature. We don't start out good. No, we start out bad. We start out evil. And so the moment we are conceived, we are in a desperate, absolute need of a Savior. Have you come to realize that about yourself? Parents, when you bring your children for baptism, do you realize that's what your child's baptism is saying? It's saying that your child and you and all of us left to ourselves are sinners before God under his righteous condemnation. That is what baptism teaches us. Especially in the baptism of our children, especially emphasizes and underscores that. Congregation, I'm spending time on this because it's so important for us to learn this lesson. Dear children, Dear young people, dear older ones, think about this next time you see a baby being baptized. Think of it as a mirror. It's not just about the child, but it's about you, about who you are left to yourself. It's showing that you, that I, that all of us are unclean, filthy, and guilty sinners before God from the very beginning of our lives. How we need to learn this lesson not just once, but over and over again because it's so easy to become proud. It's so easy to begin to put our confidence in ourselves, to think that we're not that bad. Oh, but in the baptism of our children, it confronts us with the reality. We are that bad. We must be born again. We must be born again if we are to see and we enter the kingdom of God. 
because we are unclean sinners from the very beginning. That is the first solemn lesson. Let us remember that every time we witness a child being baptized, let it humble us before God. But the second solemn lesson the baptism of our children teaches us is this. Even though we are unclean, yet we and our children are set apart by God to God. Baptism signs and seals God's covenant of grace, and it's the way we are publicly, publicly admitted into God's church. That doesn't mean, that, doesn't mean that, that when you are baptized as a child, you are saved. It doesn't even mean that, it's not, it doesn't even act as a guarantee that you will be saved. But it does mean that God graciously sets you apart from the unbelieving world. He sets you apart to himself. He includes you in his covenant and church. That means you are devoted to God. And he promises you all that you need for life. All that you need for salvation. What a great privilege. But it also has solemn implications for us as parents, as congregation, and, and for you children as you grow up. As parents and as congregation, we are called to raise our covenant children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We are called to teach them the word of God. We are called to teach them their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to teach them the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. We are, we are called to teach them to call them to repentance and faith in the Lord. We're called to teach them and command them to love and obey God, to serve the Lord. Why? Because God has set them apart. He has laid a claim to them. Only He can work, only He can work salvation in their hearts. But He's given us the solemn responsibility to raise them in His way. And that's our calling. Not just as parents, but as the entire congregation. And so the question comes to all of us as parents and congregation, how are we raising? How are we raising our children? Are we teaching them? Not just by our words, but also by our own examples to keep the way of the Lord. You know, one day we will stand before God. What account will we be able to give Him of the way that we raise our covenant children, the children that we bore to him. Dear baptized children and young people, and also older ones, do you realize what a solemn thing it is that God has set you apart? That it's an act of pure grace, the pure grace of God. Maybe sometimes, I mentioned at the beginning, someone asking me, wouldn't, wouldn't it be better for our relationship with God if, if we could actually remember our baptism. And it's understandable in a way to, to think that way, but when you think about it, isn't it actually more helpful, more special that God came to you before you were even aware that he set you apart and he marked you for himself with the water of baptism when you were just a helpless baby who couldn't do a thing? What a privilege that is! What an awesome, what an amazing, what a humbling thing it is that God included you in his covenant and church and that he signed and sealed his promises of salvation to you with the water of baptism already when you were a baby. Congregation, you see, you're being baptized as a child shouldn't make you worship and love God less. No, it should make you worship and love him more. What a great and a gracious God he is. 
B.B. Warfield put it this way. Every time we baptize an infant, we bear witness that salvation is from God, that we cannot do any good thing to secure it, that we receive it from his hand as a sheer gift of his grace, and that we all enter the kingdom of heaven, therefore, as little children who do not do, but are done for. Who do not do, but are done for. Oh, beloved, being baptized as a child should never be a hindrance to our walk with God. You can't remember your baptism, but you can know that you have been baptized. That should be a great help. You have been baptized as a baby, as children. You've been given such a great gift. But that gift also comes with a solemn responsibility. What are you doing with that gift? You have been set apart from the world by God, but are you living that way? You have had the promises of salvation signed and sealed to you. But are you pleading those promises? Are you resting on those promises? Are you taking hold of those promises? Or are you ignoring them? Are you neglecting the great salvation that God has promised in his word and signed and sealed to you in your baptism? Are you perhaps even running, trying to run away as fast as you can from him? Running as fast as you can into the world. Run as fast and as far as you will. You will never be able to become unbaptized. And one day you will stand before God as a baptized member of his covenant and of his church. And the great question is, what are you doing with your baptism? With the Lord's sign and seal of the washing away of your sins? Or perhaps the question could be better put this way. What are you doing with the God of your baptism? The baptism of our children has solemn significance. But it also, lastly and very briefly, it's also a gospel summons. Yes, it teaches us and our children our sins, our sinfulness, our uncleanness, our total depravity from conception. Yes, it teaches us and our children that we are set apart to God and we must respond and live accordingly. But that's not all. The baptism of our children is also a great gospel summons. You see, it points us and it calls us to Jesus Christ, the great Savior of sinners, who alone can wash us from our sins by his blood and spirit. That is God's great purpose with baptism, to call us to Jesus Christ, to direct our faith to him. And so when like like the prodigal son, you come to yourself and you realize your hopeless and your helpless condition. The baptism of children. Whether you, were, you yourself were baptized as a baby or not, the baptism of our children summons you to Christ and is one sacrifice on the cross. And it calls you to come to him. It teaches you, it shows you that in Christ, in Christ, sent by the Father, who came in the power of the Holy Spirit and who has poured out His Spirit. In Him, there is hope for the hopeless. In Him, there is help for the helpless. In Him, in Christ, there is salvation for sinners, even the most needy, the worst of sinners. Christ, it shows you, baptism of our, baptism of our children shows us that Christ is the fountain open for sin and uncleanness. And it's a fountain you may go to again and again and again. 
In Christ, it shows us that in Christ is everything we need. In Christ is the blood that cleanses from all sin. And in Christ is the spirit to apply that blood to you. To make you alive. To sanctify you. Congregation, the baptism of our children is a great gospel summons. Calling us all to Christ for all of our salvation. Yes, for all of our needs. Open, saith the Lord. Why thy mouth believing this, my covenant word. I will, if thou plead, fill thine every needs. Do you see it? The baptism of our children. It's calling us all. It's calling us all. To come unto Christ. To come unto the one who said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. To come to him for washing. So that your sins, that you might be washed whiter than the stone. It's a gospel summons. Will you come? And will you keep coming? Amen. Lord God, our God, our covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. Thank you for the gift, the gospel illustration, the sign and seal of the washing away of our sins in baptism. And we give thanks too that not only do believers, confessing Christians, disciples of Christ, receive that sign and seal, but also their children, also our children. Lord, many of us have been baptized as children. Help us to see the value of it. Help us to see that how it shows us what a great and gracious and merciful God you are. Help us to see how it shows us there is in Christ full and complete salvation. And grant, O oh Lord, that there would be no one here, who has been baptized, who will need to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and hear those words, I never knew you. Oh Lord, we pray that we would take the promises that are given in baptism by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to you and plead upon them and rest upon them. We pray for those who have have broken the covenant. Those who have left. We think of our children who have gone astray. We, we think also of those who have been excommunicated or excommunicated themselves. Lord, we pray for them. 
You will yet remember them. Hear the cries. Parents, grandparents, the congregation, the church of God, for your covenant children. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let us